You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today I interview another great guest in Stephen Mays. Stephen is the author of a phenomenal leadership book, The Power of Three, Lessons in Leadership. It's a super short read, but packed with great lessons, and Stephen's Power of Three paradigm. I highly recommend it to all leaders out there, not just in sports, but in any industry, really. His lessons do apply perfectly. Stephen draws from his experiences as a naval officer following graduation from the Naval Academy in Annapolis, as well as his time as a federal employee and being the father of multiple college athletes. In today's episode, Stephen breaks down the three levels of leadership for any organization or team, foundational principles, how they face challenges, and the achievements that they reach. Stephen breaks these down even further throughout the episode into smaller sets of three as we explore how captains can apply these ideas and practices in their everyday development to better lead their teams. If you like what you hear, please check out Stephen's website at thepowerof3leadership.com. You can use the number three or three spelled out. Either way, you'll get to the website. In any words, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Stephen Mays, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me in your home today. Uh, Beautiful home here in Ashburn, Virginia. Um, Thanks for taking the time uh, out of of your evening to sit down and talk. And, you know, I really enjoyed our conversations before we actually started recording um, on a lot of the aspects and the, the principles in your book, the, the Power of Three Lessons in Leadership. Uh, a great read for anyone out there who hasn't had a chance to, to uh, get on that. Highly recommend for anybody in any sort of leadership position or anybody who's aspiring to be in a leadership position. But with that being said, um, with your naval experience and then also being the father of multiple college athletes, what were some of the fundamental values and principles that you learned from being an officer and and being a father of of college athletes um what were some of the things that you learned along the way that helped you kind of shape the the principles and ideas that went into the power of three well the uh, primary motivation was uh, from my time in the navy and then subsequently uh with my family when i was growing up my family all played sports uh and my wife was a college athlete and so when the triplets were born, uh, they got involved as well in the sports, the sports stuff too. My first experience is primarily with dealing with uh, what I experienced in terms of bad leadership. And I kept thinking there's got to be a better way. And I kept looking for people who demonstrated good leadership and made me want to follow them. And uh, I found a few of those that doing that. And then after I left the Navy and got into the civilian world and as a consultant and as a federal uh, employee. I saw other examples, both good and bad. uh, And I worked up into management of uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And I went to the uh, 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 school the Office of Personnel Management has down in Charlottesville. It's a six-week school for the uh, senior executive uh, uh, program. And 
I kept seeing the same thing, which was people talk about leadership a lot like they talked about bad weather, but they really didn't do much about it. And so I started thinking, well, there's got to be a formula. There's got to be some sort of common uh, consistencies that you see. And I started looking for things that would do that. And as I did, I ended up finding things happening in groups of three uh, for other reasons. But um, the biggest things I found, and I stress in the book, is that you have to have a foundation of personal characteristics and abilities and traits as your foundation for your leadership. Then you have to be able to deal with the challenges that come from being in a leadership position. And then you have to look at what you can do to improve the performance or reach the achievement. And so that's why I came up with three levels of that. And I saw that both in my uh, self, my wife as a coach, and uh, my children as, as, as uh, athletes and performers, that they had to master all three levels in order to maximize their capability. And so that was really the, the basis for that. Um, and I would just talk with people about who was good and who was bad in terms of leadership. And finally, a friend of mine said, you, you know, you really ought to write a book. And I, uh, I kind of laugh when they said that because I'm not, you know, a PhD or anything like that. Uh, but I remembered something was on the wall in Rickover's office at the Naval Reactors. He said, had a little plaque on the wall that says, nothing crystallizes an idea like writing it down. Because before you write it down, it's a whim. After you write it down, it's an idea. And so with that in mind, I said, okay, I'm gonna sit down and start writing down what these thoughts are and see if I can collect these all together. Um, I was a mathematician and an engineer by trade. So the concept of having a formula or a theorem to, to guide was, uh, was in my mind. And that's how I ended up coming up with the structure I had in the, uh, power of three lessons in leadership. Yeah, your experience is incredible just over the years and the different facets that you've had um, to be able to pull from, um, as a, again, as an officer, as a, as a father, as a husband, a federal employee, and, and as a coach, basically, for your own children. And um, I just want to touch briefly on, on each one of these levels and kind of relate it back to being a team captain. So starting with foundation and foundational principles for a team or a program we have honesty courage and talent with honesty being the most important if you could just go into a little bit of why you think honesty is so important and what team captains can do to build that honesty in their program and how to develop that honesty with their teammates and with their coaches yeah that's the uh, that's a really important point I, I define honesty as the ability to see the world and your situation in it the way that it is, not the way you want it to be, not the way that it should be, and not the way that it could be if others would let you do it the way you want. You have to see it for what it is. So uh, it's kind of in modern parlance, it's kind of like keeping it real, yo. Um, so you have to really be self-aware of what your situation is and who the people you're working with uh, and what the situation is around you. Uh, because Everybody has an internal map of how they view the world. And you can't really react with people and interact with people unless you have some commonality to your maps. So that's really important to have that so that you have a basis for communicating and a basis for understanding how you need to move in the right direction. Uh, for example, if you have somebody in New York, somebody in San Francisco, and somebody in New Orleans, you say, 
let's go to Chicago. Well, the guy in New York is going to head west. The, the guy in San Francisco is going to head east. And the guy in New Orleans is going to head north if they know where they all are with respect to Chicago. If uh, nobody knows, then the guy in New York is going to say, okay, everybody, head west. The guy in San Francisco is going to get very wet. And the guy in, 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 in New Orleans is going to be crimson across the Arizona desert soon. So they have to have a same map so they have a common place to go uh, for what they want to do. And so that's important to being able to achieve anything in, a, in an organizational structure. Courage, I define as uh, three things. Again, um, the ability to overcome fear, to do something for others without regard to the cost to yourself. Um, if you don't have all three of those, it's not really courage. Uh, there's an old saying that comes, I think, from the Bible. It says, uh, no greater love hath a man than he give up his life for his friends. Well, you don't have to be have a death experience in order to exhibit courage. You can see it all over the place when people do things to help other people without respect to the cost of themselves. Uh, we don't do enough of encouraging courage and rewarding it, uh, but that's really important because when the chips get down, you have to be able to rely on people to do the right things. And talent is three things again, knowledge, skills, and perseverance. Uh, you have to know what to do, you have to have a skill at doing it, and you have to be able to persevere and work to get it better. Uh, most people don't know this, but when Michael Jordan tried out for his varsity high school team, he got cut his first year and was sent to the JV because he wasn't good enough. Well, that never happened to him again because people will tell you that Michael Jordan's perseverance was, was really strong. So those are the three things that I think you have to have if you want to engage in a leadership uh, activity. Um, and of those three, talent's the least important because if you look back in uh, history, uh, the greatest failures in leadership always seem to come from someplace else other than talent. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you there, uh, especially in regards to honesty. I think talent and courage somewhat speak for themselves. Sometimes people don't completely understand what courage is. It's not just a, an absence of fear, but, but really acting in spite of fear, um, which it, it actually takes a lot of courage to, to practice the honesty that, that we've been discussing here and that you discuss in your book. It's not so much honesty in that you tell people what's on your mind, but it's honesty, like you said, of creating a common operating picture of what the situation actually is. And I think a lot of times uh, players and, and coaches even have a tendency to let some of those biases that you mentioned, what we think it is or what we think it should be or or what it could be if people let us do what we wanted to do it our own way. But I think in order to, to have any kind of foundation for your program, there has to be a base of honesty that everyone is able to tell people like it is. Um, like you said, keeping it real. Like the, no one needs to hear BS um, from their peers, from their subordinates, or, or from their leaders. And especially as a captain, it's super important to be honest with your coaches. If, if something's wrong, you have to be able to communicate what is going on from the eyes of you and your teammates because if they don't if you're not telling it to them your coach isn't getting it from anybody else and he's going to continue telling you to go west when really you guys are all in san francisco like you said i like that analogy um if he thinks you guys are all in new york but you guys are all really in san francisco and he's telling you to go west you guys are going to end up way off your mark and you're gonna you're gonna miss the expectations of what your team is trying to to uh 
to hit. And actually, that takes us right into one of the, the, the next level up of overcoming challenges and facing challenges. And, and one of those is, is mixed, missed expectations and the other being how to deal with conflict. So if you could just kind of lay out um, briefly how you explain those in your book. And then uh, the, the biggest part of that is uh, driving out, driving despair out. Um, if you could just briefly um, give a synopsis of, of how, how challenges play into your, your power of three and, and how that builds on your foundation. Yeah. The, the thing as I look back at uh, my leadership journey and other people that I've talked to was that everybody had different challenges that they had to deal with, but they all kind of coalesced into three basic areas. Uh, the first one being uh, uh, missed expectations. Now expectations can be both what you're expected to do as well as what you're expected not to do. But in any case, whether it's uh, the positive or the uh, negative expectation, when the expectation isn't met, there's only three reasons why expectations don't get met. Somebody doesn't know what to do, somebody doesn't know how to do it or have the resources to do it, or they don't want to. Um, the thing I think it's important for people who are in leadership position is to realize that the what and the how belong to the, to the leader. They're responsible for those. The wanna is the one for the subordinate. So if the subordinate knows what to do and has the capability to do it, knows how to do it, and has the facilities to do it, and it doesn't get done, then that's on the, the wanna part. Now, how many times do you hear people say, oh, you know, I keep telling so-and-so to do this. How come they can't get it right? And they immediately go to the wanna. They immediately, first instinct is, can't that person do anything right? And the first thing the leadership has to think about is, how did I make sure they knew what, and how did I make sure that they knew how? Because if they didn't get those two, they have no chance of getting it right. And so too many times we find leaders who want to just give out expectations and then leave everything else to somebody else to, to do, and that's just wrong. The best leaders out there not only communicate what you wanna do, but how to do it, and to make sure that the leader knows that when they give that assignment, that expectation, that the person is capable of doing it. That's the, the biggest thing, and that's the what and the how. The other one is ethical conflicts. Sometimes you, you end up in an ethical conflict. Um, somebody's doing something that's just wrong. And when you're in an ethical conflict, the, the, the bad news is, no matter what choice you make, bad things are gonna happen. The question becomes, what choice do you make that you can live with later? Because there's three things you can do in an ethical conflict. You can fix it if you can. You can accept it if you can't fix it. And if you can't fix it and you can't accept it, the only other option is to leave, to get out of it. Um, the Alcoholics Anonymous prayer talks about the serenity prayer. Uh, uh, Lord, grant me the courage to change the things I can, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. But there's a fourth choice that some people make in these ethical situations, and that is they don't fix it, they don't accept it, they don't leave it, they just hang around and bitch about it. And everybody knows who that person is in their organization, everybody's experienced that person. When you have somebody like that, they're a cancer to themselves, and they're a cancer to the organization, and the only way that the organization can survive in that situation is to get rid of the cancer. So you have to be able to, to deal with that. The last thing that I thought was really, really important as a challenge to a leader is despair. 
Um, I use the analogy that um, uh, Tina Turner sang a song in a movie for uh, Mad Max song called uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? And, uh, and basically the song goes, uh, posits that uh, love is just a, it's not a physical emotion. It really isn't really any big deal. So what's love got to do with it? And the answer is with leadership, love has everything to do with it. And by love, I don't mean having sex with people. I mean, love means, love means having a, an emotional, compelling feeling that requires you to act for the benefit of others. If you want to be a leader, you have to be able to care enough to go do things to help others. If you're not going to do that, you can't be a successful leader. And that's because the absence of, of love is not hate. The absence of love, the opposite of love, is despair. And despair is an emotion that prevents you from acting. It shuts down your soul and prevents you from taking action to help other people. Uh, sometimes you hear this called morale or uh, chemistry or other things like that. But basically, it's when people are in despair, they can't perform. They can't meet expectations. They can't deal with conflict. And therefore, it's the leader's job to find the despair in themselves and the despair in others and the despair in the organizational structure and try to minimize that impact on people because that's so important. And when I looked at that, I thought, growing back on my personal life and my professional career, those are things I always had to deal with. I had to deal with missing an expectation, avoiding a conflict, or having to deal with despair. Um, and it's something you really have to concentrate yourself on every day when you get up to not let despair control your life and not, not to control the lives of the people that you're seeking to lead. Yeah, again, uh, really simplifying it down to those three things just makes it uh, a clear picture. And I think everybody, if you if you look back at any of the, the challenges you face, I think 99% of the time they're going to fall into one of those three categories, if not 100% of the time. Um, going back to the, the missed expectations, I think this is why honesty plays such a big part uh, when it comes to leading your teams as a captain, um, especially with the what and the how you, you have to be able to be honest with your teammates and be honest with your captain if you if, or be honest with your coaches rather if your coaches are asking you to do something you know they come up with a new game plan or they come up with a new team rule and you don't even know what they're talking about you have to have the honesty to tell your coach hey we don't know what you're saying we're never gonna because if you don't know what he's saying and none of the teammates know what you're what he's saying you're never going to be able to to hit what he wants and again, you're going to be going in completely different directions. And then also having an honest conversation with your teammates with, with the how. You never want to put your teammates in a position or put yourself in a position where you have an expectation that you do not have the ability to meet. If you have a, somebody on your team, an individual that's supposed to be filling a role that you know that they can't for some reason or another, whether it be talent um, or their motivation or, or something else that they, they just don't have the ability to get it done. You have to have that honest conversation with that individual and also with your coach to be able to say, hey, we're going to miss our expectation. This isn't going to work out because of this. We need to find somebody that can fill this role better. And then also that 
that quanta, that motivation, people not wanting to do things, that right there, everything rises and falls, tenant number one, everything rises and falls with leadership. If people don't have the motivation, um, I know we, we focused on what and how falling on the leader, but really when it comes to sports teams, if people don't want to be there and you guys don't have the motivation or your teammates don't have the motivation or your coach has lost hope, one way or another, it falls back on leadership in that you haven't been able to leverage your team in a way to get the most out of them. Um, and I think all three of those feed right into despair when you have missed expectations and also you end up with people doing things that will lead you to, to an ethical conflict. Um, and that's the ethical conflict is really where your, where your courage comes in. So it's, it's really easy to see how the foundation plays right into the challenges. Um, and, and for team captains to understand that, that they have a role in all three of these, these levels and not just the last one, which a, as captains and as leaders on your sports teams, I, I truly believe this is where you can get very, very specific into what you can do on a daily, a weekly, a monthly basis and how you can really affect your team. And that's with the achievement level, the top level of the power of three, where we have assist, depend and inspire. And, and Stephen, I want to start with assist and, and your definition of assist and how it relates to the power of three. And just to start, how do captains assist and who do they assist? Well, the, um, the first thing is they have to work on themselves. They have to provide a good model for how the behavior is supposed to be done. They have to show the willingness to work hard. They have to show the willingness to sacrifice for others. They have to do those kinds of things that allow other people to see, hey, this is a person who's putting out the effort. Then they have to go back and say, I have to help other people who may not have the same level of talent or may not have the same level of skills to get the maximum of their capabilities out that they can do. Because that means taking some time to work with somebody on a skill or taking time to work with a group of people on a process of how you're going to play a game or what particular situations you're going to be potentially involved in and how you might do things. Uh, explain to them how things that they can do can help you be better and see how things that you can do can help them be better. I refereed high school uh, baseball and basketball for 30 some odd years. And um, I remember something a, a, an old referee told me when I was young, starting out, and I tried to do this as well. This is assist mode. And that is every time I walked out on the floor, whether I had a seasoned veteran or a rookie official, there was something that I could learn from them. And there was something they could learn from me. When you have that kind of an attitude and you dedicate yourself to making yourself better and to helping them be better, that's how you do the assist. And you recognize that Every time somebody uh, is, is out there doing something, you're doing it because you care about them being better within the construct of having them be more successful in fulfilling the team's needs and fulfilling the team's uh, direction. And so making a good example and being giving of yourself to help them be better. Because if you're great at one skill and other people on your team are not as good, if you can help them be better at those skills, then everybody benefits. So you can't have a, I want to be the leading scorer if you can have other people score as well and end up being better because now instead of the other team concentrating on you, they have to concentrate on you and somebody else. 
So you help them be better to help yourself be better. And that helps the team all, all together. So that's the two biggest things is be a good role model and be willing to give of yourself to other people so that they can learn, uh, especially in college. I mean, you got people come in as freshmen. They've never experienced the pressure of a Division I uh, uh, college athletic program and uh, the amount of work that they have to do off the field, not involved in the game, is tremendous. And they have to learn to balance their time management between their academics and their, their sport and their social life. And all those pressures are all on them together. And one of the things a senior and a captain can do is look for and see what kind of problems people are having and offer them either personal help or directing them to somebody else who can give them the help that they need. And that's the kind of thing you have to be focused on to assist other people to achieve. Yeah, I think it, that's great advice for captains. You know, obviously assist being interpersonal, but also starting off with that, setting a good example, um, being a hard worker and assisting yourself and, and empowering others to do the same is also a way to assist. Um, moving away from assisting your own teammates and, and those younger guys, how can team captains assist their coaches you know, at, as liaisons between their coaches and their, and their teammates? What are some things that captains do to, to assist their coaches? Well, this is an important thing. When you're a leader, uh, unless you're God, everybody who's a leader is also a follower because the only one who's not to have anybody to follow is God. <laughs> uh, so you have to be able to lead not only the people below you on your team, your subordinates and your peers, you have to be able to lead your coaches and the people you're working for as well. So the most important thing about that is to make sure that you have a very clear understanding of what the coaches want to, to accomplish. And then you need to be able to say, okay, here are things I think we can do to help you be successful. Uh, I remember my first boss in the federal government, um, um, I came in and was talking about what we wanted to do in the organization we're in. I said, well, my, my first rule here is that I want to get you a bonus next year. And he liked that a lot. And uh, it turns out we, we did uh, a lot of things together um, and he got a bonus the following year. So you have to take the, the mindset that as a leader, as a captain of the team, you're not only there to help the team be better as individuals and as a team, you're also there to make the coach be a better coach so that the coach can grow and the coach can be, and you have to do that by having a good relationship with them. So you assist them by saying, okay, what do you see here? Why do you see it the way you see it? And how is it that I can do something to help make that better? And then you introduce whatever suggestions you might have in that, but you always have to come at it from the prospect of how do I help you do what you want to do. If you can't do that, then you're going to have a hard time uh, communicating with your with the coaches and you'll have a fractured relationship. But you have to always start from the premise, I may think something different than you, but I'm here because I want to see how I can help you do the things you want to do better. So always, always preparing yourself to say, I think I can help you be better if we do this. And then if the coach goes, oh, that's a great idea. Then that's the way you want it to be. The coach says no, and you say, okay, I, you know, I understand what your situation is. Let's try something else. But you have to go over and, and, and have that relationship with your coach where you can hey, be honest with them, and they can be honest with you, and you can understand uh, what that do. And that's, that's a hard thing to do because coaches are on different pressures than the athletes are, 
Um, you know, if the athlete screws up the game, all they do is lose the game. If the coach loses a lot of game, they lose their livelihood. So they're coming from a different place. Um, and it's important that you recognize where they're coming from so that you can then give them the support that they need to assist them to be better coaches. So it's important, again, the honesty thing comes back again. You have to be able to have an honest relationship with your coaches. You have to be real about where they're coming from. And sometimes where they're coming from is not the way you want it to be, but you have to work for them. So you have to do that, uh, make that effort to, to make them successful. Yeah, I love how that we came back to, to the honesty piece, back to the foundation. Um, before, before we started recording, you know, we were talking about, you know, especially at the high school level, coaches a lot of times all they want from their captains is hey make sure everyone shows the practice the right time make sure everyone gets on the bus the right time make sure you know you're leading stretches and you're out at midfield or half court to meet the refs and and do the coin toss Um, and they don't want you to do anything else but they're doing you a disservice and you're doing your coach a disservice if you don't step up and assist him to do more and that's where that honesty and that courage really comes in and that, that communication and having that honest assessment of where you're both coming from and having the true picture of where your team is at and being able to assist them on another level. Hey, what can I help you communicate to the team better? Hey, I really think that if we had team meetings on this aspect once a week, hey, the team's not really getting the offense that we put in today. I think we need to have another uh, chalkboard session or a film session or, hey, you know, you've been really ragging on this group of, of individuals on the team. Um, maybe lay off them a little bit. It, it, it goes back to, you know, a central theme that we've had throughout these, these episodes and these shows and these interviews is communication is such a huge, huge piece of a captain's responsibilities between his coach, especially with the coach, um, and also his teammates. Um, but that honesty and that courage to have that, effective communication is is of utmost importance um, if you're going to be able to assist your coaches as well as your teammates um, so going on from assist I think I think we've got that nailed down pretty well going on to inspire how do you how do you think a captain's ability to inspire affect their teams or or I should say what actually does a captain's ability to inspire affect their teams? What, what aspects does it, does it affect? Well, I think the key thing there is it helps everybody uh, be together on the same page as to what's going on. Because one of the hard things to do, uh, especially when you're a young adult, uh, like in a Division I college football situation, uh, there's always going to be people who are better than you. And there's always going to be people who are worse than you. And everybody on the team has a pecking order of, Who's the better defensive player? Who's the better offensive player? Who's the better all-around player? Who works hardest to practice? There's all kinds of things where, as human beings, we can rank order people and see things that are different about people. But the thing in Inspire is you inspire your teammates by demonstrating your ability and willingness to work hard for the team efforts and for their and for their benefit as well. Um, and that's part of the role model concept we talked about in the assist, but you want to make, have them say, I want to be like that guy. Um, and so that's the, that's the thing you want to do. You want to have them want to be like you or to be better than you. Uh, I think one of the hardest things we have to do is, is that 
we spend so much time in trying to do sports, we always are concentrating on what somebody did wrong. And we don't spend enough time talking about what they do right. And I think the emphasis on what's right is really important because if you're always talking about what's wrong, you have a tendency for despair to start to creep in. Oh, I can't do anything right. I'm not getting enough playing time because I always mess up, blah, blah, blah. And nobody's ever telling you anytime when you do something right. And uh, there was a, uh, a line in a movie someplace where somebody said, uh, uh, oh, I did something right. Jeez, if you let me know what those were, I'd do them more often. <laughs> because people want to succeed. Nobody comes to work wanting to be crappy. They yeah. want to succeed. So when you not only do you demonstrate those things yourself to cause them to want to see that they could be in that situation as they mature and they get more experience and they, they work uh, harder as they come along, but also when they do something right, you want to you want to make sure that they and everybody else knows that they made a positive contribution to what the overall goals were, because not everybody has the ability to score all the big goals. Not everybody has the ability to be the best defender. Not everybody has the ability to be the most uh, 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 most well-rounded player. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And so when you see something that works and and some something somebody's good at and they do it and they do it well and you make sure they know that it's done and that it's appreciated, then that makes them want to do it more. And I think that's the biggest thing for the inspiration is you want people to want to do more. Um, and you do that by setting an example and by every time they do it right, you notice and you say something about it. For example, You'll, you'll see commonly on like in the NBA when somebody's running the floor and there's an alley-oop and they dunk the ball. Well, some of them just stand there and pose over the player they just dunked on. And that's kind of showing off. But the real stars, the ones that are in the Hall of Fame, like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, when they go down and they get their dunk, they immediately turn. They point to the person who threw the ball to them. You gave me a great assist there. Or when somebody goes up and and, and, and swats the ball away or, or hauls down a rebound and makes a great outlet pass in basketball. Somebody else is pointing at him. And, and, and the coaches from the bench are saying, great rebound. You know, you, you've got to make rewarding the good things a priority in your, in your everyday interaction with people because that will inspire them to do better. Everybody wants to have some to feel like they're contributing. And if you don't tell them they are, it's hard for them to figure it out for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a really important aspect. Um, the applauding positive uh, impacts and, and applauding any achievement, no matter how small. And I, I think you're right, especially after practices, during practices, in film sessions after the games, sometimes we have a tendency to focus on the negative and what we need to fix for the next game. And, and far too often, especially at the high school level, coaches and, and teammates are focused too much on on what's going wrong and what we need to fix. Um, one of the things we had at West Point was we had a, a practice player of the week as well as a, a, a game, a player of the game after every game. And I think that was really important because a lot of times those those practice player of the weeks, they weren't always necessarily the guys that got into the games. So in order to keep everyone's motivation up for practices and, and especially our, our our bench was such an integral piece of what we could what we did and our scout team was such an integral piece of our success there that those guys played such an important role and, and our coach and our program took the time out of, out of practice and film to highlight guys like that. 
And, and another piece that kind of feeds into is, is one of the principles of uh, master resilience training in, in, in the army. One of the, one of the skills is effective praise. And we hear a lot about um, tough love or, uh, you know, effective criticism, you know, telling people what they did wrong um, and not just saying, Hey, you messed up, but telling them they, how they did it wrong and what they can work on. But effective praise is something all too often we don't do. And it's, more often than not, it's a nice pat on the back. Hey, great job. You know, great shot. You know, great dodge. You know, there was a great example of that uh, that I remember from my generation, at least when I was growing up. Uh, Bill Walton was a superior college basketball player at UCLA. Uh, and he uh, played for John Wooden. And uh, he would go up against the best centers of every school in the nation and would just dominate them. And somebody once said to him, you know, how, how come you're so good? And Bill Walton said this, and I'll remember this forever. He said, because I go up against the number two center in the nation every day in practice. That particular person was named Sven Nader. He went on to a terrific professional basketball career as well, uh, but he was the backup guy. He didn't get the playing time that, that Bill Walton did. But what Sven Nader did was he worked Bill Walton to the fringe to make Bill Walton a better player. And Bill Walton and John Wooden were continuously telling Sven Nader, you're a good player and you're making him a better player. So you don't always have to be the leading scorer to be a really key contributor to your team. So if you're a practice player and you go out there and you work yourself into a frenzy and that causes your other teammate to be better, then every goal that they score or every play that they make they could not have made them without you. And that's the kind of thing where you have to inspire people and there has to be recognition that I'm a better player because this person here on my team made me a better player. And that's really a critical thing that I think it's overlooked way too often. Yeah, I can't remember how many times that uh, the same kind of situation would happen after games and our interviews the guys in the scout team would always get a shout out, uh, especially the scout team offense. Somebody on defense would shut somebody down and, and they'd say like, Hey, you know, the guy I played in practice this week, um, whether it be a third string guy, a fourth string guy, second string guy that happened to be on scout that week, just because they played better than the guy they played against in the game. Um, and it happened all the time. And, and the second piece, uh, what I was alluding to earlier was that effective praise, not only patting somebody on the back and telling them they did a good job, because that only gets you so far. Um, it's almost like giving a dog a treat after a certain point. It doesn't mean the same thing, especially if you're nearest to everybody. But the, the second, the, the first part of that, the, the primary word being effective, ineffective praise, is that you're able to tell the person what they did well and how they did well and take notice in that, hey, that was a great move. I love how you did this and that. I saw you working on this last week and it's really paying off. Keep it up. And you're able to tell that person what they did to improve whatever they're doing, or, or you told them a way to continue that. You, you, you showed them, hey, I can, you can build on this even more. This is great. Continue doing this, and you'll see even further improvement. And I, I think that recognition, there's nothing more powerful than someone you care about so much as a teammate giving you kudos, not only one-on-one, -on -one, but if you're able to tell your coach, hey, we need to have a practice player of the week, and hey, we need to have a player of the game. We need to have a scout team player of the week. You know, we need to give – applaud to people who are doing things the right way and not so much focusing on the bad things. Obviously in film, you got to focus on things you messed up and things you got to improve. 
maybe one of the maybe something you can do as a as a captain is you know suggest to your coach or coach you can do this as well you know have one example of each thing that the, the five biggest things you messed up in the game but every good thing you did in the game try to find as many examples as you can and show all of them if you have time have your have your achievements outweigh your your missed expectations well you know and that's important too as a matter of priorities uh, you can't be telling everybody they're great all the time when they have very improve but you can't tell everybody they suck all the time yep. when they're you doing their best balance. and they're doing and so it's important to be able to to do to to make a balance and have a perspective and that goes back to the honesty situation you got to see the situation the way that it is mm -hmm. nobody's out there screwing up all the time nobody's out there being perfect all the time and what you have to do is say here's where you are here's how you're moving ahead here's how you're having a positive impact let's keep moving that stuff and here's the things we can do to make it even better when you do that people want to get better and that's the mm -hmm. inspiration that they'll get and uh, I've seen this a couple times with uh, people for example uh, um, there was a young man who uh, played at Villanova basketball team and there was a period where Villanova had lost a lot of players because of uh, NCAA and other things and they were basically a shell of what they did and this this young man came to play for Villanova and then they recruited other players and when they won their national championship this guy was uh, was on the bench and when he got in the game when he was put into the game by the coach every single starter on the bench was rooting their hind ends off for this guy because he was the guy who worked them so hard in practice it gave them the opportunity to be good on the floor so that when he finally got his chance they were after, they were after it for him and so that's the kind of thing that a captain or a great player or a starting player can do for a substitute mm -hmm. or a bench player because those things have to happen or you don't get the combined uh, yeah. capability out of the group. And that's what you're striving for. Yeah, and that all comes back to building a, a culture of, of actual care for your teammates and making it more of a family atmosphere and, and becoming close and having that team cohesion. Um, just bringing up the last piece uh, of aid in depend, I, I think a lot of times team captains think that they're the guys that people need to depend on. They're the guys that the coaches need to depend on. But as a leader who is supposed to be quote unquote in charge, why is depending on others so important? Well, it's important for really a really simplistic reason. If you could do it all yourself, you wouldn't need teammates. You wouldn't need other. If you could do it all yourself as the coach, you wouldn't need a team. You just go out there and say, I know everything and we're, we can, we can do this. Uh, you have to have other people function in order for the group to function. Um, you don't get synergism where the, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts without having parts. Um, and so it's really important. Um, now, what happens off too often, I think, is that people feel the need to control the situation because the impact of the situation is gonna directly affect them. If you're a coach um, and you're, uh, you know, you've got your, your three and 20 for the season, the ability of people to, to, to play better and win is going to impact your life because you may not be there for very long and you may be out of a job and you won't have the ability to feed yourself and your family. So there's a different uh, pressure there. If you're the leading scorer of the team, you feel like you got to go out and score because you're expected to be the leading scorer. But you have to depend on other people to stop others from scoring 
and to get you the ball in the right positions where you can score. So there's a there's a there's a, a problem you have to face, and that is this: if you want to be a leader, you're going to get a lot of credit when you didn't do everything to earn it. Other people made contributions, and so you're going to get credit when you don't always deserve it all. And also, when you're a leader, you're going to get blame when you don't deserve it all. Somebody else can make a horrendous mistake and cost you a game, but if you're the leader of the team, you're going to get blamed because your team didn't win the championship. So if you want to be a leader, you have to be able to accept the fact that you're going to get blamed for things that you didn't control, and you're going to get credit for things that you didn't contribute. But there is no way around the fact that you have to depend on others. And if you're trying to control everything, you're going to make it more difficult for people to perform. You're going to make it more difficult for yourself to perform. And in the end, you're not going to be as effective. So you're not going to be able to achieve as much. So the depending part is about creating an environment where everybody can do their piece and together that piece becomes achievement. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to be a very effective leader. Yeah. So I guess for captains out there understanding that there is definitely a balance, you know, this is, this isn't to say that captains, you, you can't be dependent on and you have to depend on others. It's finding that balance between when you have to step up, and put the team on your back in an emotional or, or skill or on the field or off the field way, but finding the balance between that and when you need to let others step up. Uh, and that comes back to that, to trust, having trust in your teammates. So I, I think something for captains out there, what are some ways that they can practice depending on others and become more comfortable and having the courage to depend on others and, and how can, they and their coaches systematically build trust on their teams? Well, I think the, uh, uh, the, the big thing is, again, going back to the honesty piece, you have to realize that you can't do it all by yourself. So you need to, in order for you to perform at your maximum, you need to communicate with the people who are around you about what you need from them so that you can do things for them and the team. So if you have a particular style of play where you're going to make a move to go to this area and you want somebody to pass the ball ahead of you so that the ball will be there before the defender can react and get to it, then you need to be able to talk to them about, I'm not going to be able to score unless this person gets me the ball. And so therefore I've got to work with that person to do that. And I have to go onto the field, recognize it, and I'm going to do my thing. And when I do my thing and they do their thing, the ball will be there and I'll have my opportunity. And that's the way you have to think about it. You have to think about how do I help other people do the things that I need? And then in turn, how do I do the things that they need me to do so that the whole group will be successful? And that's a thing that a captain needs to be able to work with the players that they're going to be on the field with so they have the trust that when they go and do certain things, they, other people will be doing those things, the right things to make that successful. And they have to be able to trust that when they need help, the other people will be in the positions that they need to be in so they can help them out. So it's, a, it's, really, a, it's really critical to understand that you have to depend on other people and you have to have trust. And the only way I know to do that is to work together uh, in, a, in a team sport environment, work together on those particular skills and those particular situations that you might be in the game 
For example, in a basketball game, you may only have uh, five seconds to shoot the ball before the shot clock runs out. Well, you have to have an idea about what you're going to do and where you're going to be and how you're going to do things. You need to know on a fast break who's going to occupy what lane so the person who's running with the ball cannot even look and know that you're going to be in that lane and pass the ball to you. Those are the kinds of things you have to depend on other people to do their job so that your job gets done better. Yeah, and I think, and and again, I, I'm not doing this purpose, but just again, just it reflects back on the honesty and, and the foundational principles. Um, if you're depending on others and others are depending on you, that's why it's so important to have that honesty. If you guys are running plays and it's the end of practice, practice over, you need to have the honesty with another guy like, hey, I, I need to depend on you in the game and you need to depend on me in the game. We're going to run this for the for 15 minutes after practice today. Um, and and being able to depend on someone is not just that blind faith. It's it's ensuring as a leader that you can depend on them. It goes back to that the, the missed expectations of what and how. You need to have the honesty and the courage to address those situations and make sure that they know what they're doing and make sure they know how to do it so you can depend on them and, and reach your goals and have your success. I, it's crazy how much this is now coming together for me after reading the book and now having this conversation that these really all do drive into each other um, from foundations to from foundational principles to how dealing with challenges and now the, the achievement piece. And I think the achievement piece uh, for, for the captains and out there, that's really where you're going to make the biggest impact and that you can do day in and day out once you have the idea of how to overcome challenges and you, and you have that, that built-in culture that you can affect day in and day in and out as well. Um, so it's just it's becoming super crystal clear for me now. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Bullet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.